0: Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker.
1: Credit card fraud. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It can be extremely frustrating for both the credit card companies and for consumers. We're going to talk with someone today The talk will tell us how credit card fraud works, why we are vulnerable and how we can take steps to protect ourselves and that wonderful thing we have called credit. My guest is Clarissa Carnero. She is the Director of Credit and and Fraud Risk at American Express. Clarissa, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. Thank you, Shirley. Now, this is a very interesting subject and one that I um, I think an awful lot of consumers have found themselves with charges on their credit card that didn't belong to them. But beyond that, there's other kinds of fraud other than just charges. But let's let's talk about what are the most common types of fraud that target consumers in their credit cards?
0: So we do see fraud happening in different um, types of ways. Um, One is with transactional fraud. So this may be where your card number and maybe some information off of your card number itself um, are compromised. And so the fraudster only has information about your card, um, but they don't know anything more. We also see other types of fraud that um, start to increase in severity. Um, For example, you might have account takeover. And this is where a fraudster not only has your card information, But perhaps they have additional details about your identity. They might know your social security number or they might know some um, personally identifying information that will help them uh, pretend to be you and call into the financial institution. And then the last fraud that I'll talk about is fraud application. So this again is when a fraudster has a lot of your personally identifying information, like your social, and then they go and try to apply for a credit card account um, without your knowledge so that they can go then and have a full account to themselves and and try to spend.
1: And you may not even be aware of it. Um, Okay, so uh, you want to give us a little bit of details on how each of these work. Tell me before we go into that. Do you see and do you track where these frauds are coming from? Are they coming from all over the world, which I suspect they are?
0: Yes, you're right. And we do get this question a lot. Um, Fraud does come from all over both geographically and in terms of the people or persons who um, commit the fraud so it could be
1: coming from asia it could be coming from south america it could be coming from anywhere or right here in good old usa we have our share of fraudsters too don't we so it it really is a very aggravating thing one of the simpler frauds of course is when somebody tries to to uh make a charge on your credit card and i've had that i had that happen to me just recently um, and the credit card company recognized it and alerted us. And so we had to change the card. But let me let me ask you, is part of that accomplished through skimming? Is skimming as common as it used to be where you give your card at a restaurant or something and the waiter takes it back and skims the card and makes a clone of it? Is that the
0: old-fashioned technology still working? Um, I'm not sure it's appropriate to say that it's as common as it used to be, but skimming does still um, take place um, mm-hmm. since COVID, though we know that um, less people are out and about. And oh yeah, yeah. Um, the the activity you described is less likely to happen at the current moment.
1: Okay, so but it's still it's still a possibility. What yeah. what are the bigger ways that the the more common ways that consumers' credit information is compromised? I'm assuming that hacking has a lot to do with that. Uh, or is it carelessness on the part of the
0: consumer? How would you define it? So, you know, we talk about commonality. One of the things that has, you know, changed over the years is card present transactions are more and more happening through um, chip technology. And so, you know, it's less and less that you are using your magnetic strip on the back of your card in order to conduct a purchase when you are in person. So when you are dipping that card, um, you know, at the grocery store or whatever transaction you're making, um, it is very difficult for a, that's something that cannot be skimmed. It's uh, the chip technology is something that can't be um, replicated.
1: Okay, and yeah, that is a very thing that we're thankful for, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, then how is hacking the more common way that fraud is accomplished with our credit cards?
0: We certainly are concerned about transactions that are taking place online, right? So we move away from the card present. We know that we're pretty secure there with the chip. But when we think about um, online transactions, um, this is where it's important that we're really trying to figure out if it's the true customer who is making the transaction, or a fraudster who's taken that over so
1: yeah because now all you have to do is have your credit card number and have a um a generally that little three or four digit id number um to to accomplish a lot of stuff online and is that where you're seeing the major increase in fraud right now
0: that is certainly where um we especially since covid so much spend has moved to online and so that is where we um Certainly, happily monitor.
1: Okay, so now let's look at it from the consumer standpoint. It's an aggravation when the when it happens to you because you got to change your credit card. You got to notify companies that you have a different card, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But beyond that, um, credit card companies really protect consumers in terms of any loss from fraud. But there is a loss, there's a tremendous loss. Can you talk a little bit about the loss to the industry, which of course reflects on all of us?
0: Yes, we know um, from a study with Microsoft that we lose about $454 every 10 minutes. Um, So it's certainly a large loss to the industry.
1: Wow, you and I are gonna cost a lot of money, Clarissa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's, I, that is an interesting way of putting it, because instead of saying millions or billions of dollars, you're putting it down to we can all identify with 400 and some dollars every 10 minutes. That's a lot of money going out the door. Yep. And now, yep. I know that, that um, there are many innovations and you talked about the chip card, which helps protect the card from, from uh, cloning or uh, skimming. So that, that is one of the major steps in technology. But computers not only help you all to protect against fraud, they also help the fraudster commit the fraud. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about um, how we protect ourselves as consumers. We're going to have to take a, a short break here just to let people know that they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Clarissa Carnero. She is the Director of Credit and Fraud Risk at American Express, and we're talking about some of the ways that fraud is perpetrated upon consumers. So, Clarissa, um, let's go back to talking just a little bit about the fraud and the way it's accomplished. What are the signs that consumers should look for that that their account might be compromised? I know you should check your credit card bills, you should check online. I mean, my husband goes online every day and checks our credit cards uh, to see, make sure there's no strange charges. And that actually was what way that we found one of the sh- Uh, charges that that was not ours. But at any rate, what are are the things that you would advise consumers? Because I know that not only are you looking at the risk aspect, you're looking at the education and how do consumers play a part in preventing fraud.
0: Yes, definitely. And we know that fraudsters are growing in sophistication. So it's important that consumers are staying vigilant. And I think one of the most helpful things um, that that consumers should know about is that Um, fraudsters are, at times they will try and be imposters of the financial institution. And so there are three different areas that consumers should really be um, paying extra attention um, as they're doing interactions with what they believe is their financial institution. So what I mean by that, number one is you should really be wary of any alarming email messages. Um, from a financial institution. It may say something like your bill is past due um, when you know very well that your bill is not near past due or that your account is going to be locked unless you take some specific action. So what I would say is consumers should watch out for these unexpected messages, even if they're branded with corporate headers. Um, Upon inspection, they may or may not have typos. They may or may not have grammatical errors. Um, you can also hover over the links. If you're not sure if it really is from your financial institution, see if the link goes, uh, just hover, don't click, see if the link goes to some nonsensical website or if it really is going back to um, your financial institution. So that right. way.
1: Be- I, I always recommend to consumers that they don't respond to that kind of a, uh, an email, but contact it using the phone number that's on the credit card.
0: Yep. If you're ever concerned about a communication that you're getting, regardless of channel, the safest thing you can do is call the number on the back of your card. Right.
1: That's the advice that I normally give consumers, is use the card so that you know it's a legitimate phone number and you're not responding to an email. Because if you respond to the email, you don't know what you're doing to your computer, whether or not you're downloading malware, or re- who are you responding to. So. Um, yeah, I, I think calling is, is the best bet. So what's number
0: two? So number two is that you should really um, be concerned about unexpected phone calls from your financial institution. Um, now, we financial institutions will legitimately contact you, um, but there are also illegitimate um, calls that are taking place. And so what I'll walk you through is how to discern the difference between this is really American Express that's calling me or this is someone pretending to be American Express. Um, When uh, our customer care professionals contact you, we have your account in front of us and there is no need for them to ask you for any um, security questions, personally identifiable information, your PIN security codes on the front and back of your card. We simply will not contact you to ask you for these things. We may call to ask about, uh, to verify um, transactions, but we are not going to ask you ID questions.
1: Okay, and you
0: know what? That is
1: such a critical point because anybody who's a crook needs to get the information. The company should already have it. And the other thing that I warn consumers about, Clarissa, is the caller spoofing, ID spoofing. You can't believe that it may say American Express, but it may not be. So you have to be very leery when you pick up the phone because your caller ID can lie to you as well.
0: That's an excellent point. And I know that Oftentimes we will um, uh, encourage consumers to sign up for two-factor authentication, for example. And so those one-time codes that are sent to you via text or email, um, if a caller ever contacts you and asks you to provide a one-time code, um, you should never do that. You should never provide that if you are the one who's receiving a call. Because that is um, taking away the security of that two-factor authentication. Right.
1: And the other thing is I tell consumers not to ask the caller for a number that they can use to call back. But again, go to your credit card and get the number to call because they'll give you a number that's going to link to their fraud. I mean, (laughs) they're not going to give you an American Express number.
0: Exactly, and you can always, even if someone does provide the number, you can always call the number on the back of your card and confirm that that is legitimate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and number three. Sorry, one thing I would say around calling, Shirley, is sometimes if it's a fraud application, the victim would not have a card on their person, and so if, if that happens and you can't call the number on the back of your card, go to the financial institutions website for us express.com and that you can find our you know appropriate contact numbers or you can chat with us um, to get to an agent to to help you Um, so if you're ever in that situation and you don't have a card to look at the number on the back then go to the trusted website
1: yeah that's a good good information I always tell consumers though to make make um, a note of the phone number and everything else that's on the card. So if the card's not in you, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it somewhere, put it, what, whatever, put it in your phone, but some way that just make it easy for you to contact those people. Um, yeah, that's very excellent advice. And do you wanna follow up on that?
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, that's great advice. And again, to your point earlier, if, if you do put that contact number in your phone, then if you receive a call from that number, you shouldn't necessarily trust it because of the spoofing. So trust that number or calling into American Express, but not so much if you're receiving the call. You should still be wary and not release any information. of somebody. I totally agree with that. Yes.
1: I, I never respond to a cold call like that um now we've had we were alerted by the credit card company when we did have some fraud on our card because they noticed a change in spending patterns and in locations where we were not normally would be there and they did call us but um they didn't ask me for any personal information i mean it was it was i felt secure um so you have to be you have to be very careful you know The crooks are pretty smart, but they wouldn't get so much money. They wouldn't make so much money. They wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Um, It's a little bit aggravating for consumers, I think, because you keep thinking, well, you know, why am I having to worry about this? What's wrong with these companies? But it's not the company. It's the crooks that are out there that are just really kind of um, utilizing all kinds of technology to rip us off. So anyway, let's just take on that happy note. Let's take a brief pause here. To let our listeners know that they're tuned into of consuming interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Clarissa Canero. She is the Director of Credit and Fraud Risk at American Express. And we're talking about some of the creative ways um, the fraudsters reach out to you and some of the things that we need to be wary of. Now, um, our, when you look at fraud, and that's what you all deal with, you analyze it, you look at it, you know that it costs us an awful lot of money the ways that technology have helped the crooks to reach us. And of course that's through our emails, through our phones and through them being able to do computer dialing in oftentimes just to dial random numbers to reach out to consumers and see how they can defraud them. What are the other creative ways that you've seen that crooks are, are getting credit card information?
0: Yeah, Shirley. So the third item I would say is what we call smishing. And this is where a fraudster is sending you a text message. Again, they may be pretending to be from your financial institution. um, And you should be extra cautious if you're receiving an unexpected text message that's encouraging you to click on a link. Think about this like the phishing email. Um, You don't wanna click on that link um, if you don't trust the, the sender and if you can't verify for sure that it's really coming from your financial institution.
1: What do you see, is there any kind of a profile of what is the most likely approaches to consumers or are they all open and we're getting, we're likely to get any of them?
0: They're all open. Um, It's open season on on any of them. Um, We do know that um, fishing has continued to um, increase um, but, but we are seeing this happen across all channels. So you should be cautious across all channels whether it be email, phone, or um, text messages. Do you um, have any kind of
1: profile that you can discuss on who's most likely to be the victim of fraud? Does it have to do anything with age? Um, you know, we often say that seniors, but I've heard that, that younger folks are vulnerable to fraud because they don't think it can happen to them and they're, they're not as careful as someone who's a little bit older.
0: It's true that anyone can be a victim of fraud Mm -hmm. and with how sophisticated the fraudsters are um, becoming, um, they can be very convincing. So regardless of, you know, the age, um, you know, there may be a story that a fraudster has out there um, that is really convincing and um, will encourage you uh, to provide information that you should not be providing. So the, the approach can take
1: come to anyone. All of us can be a victim. And we found that out. I mean, even if you haven't done anything, you, you don't have to be a passive. I mean, you don't have to be a participant in this, um, just like our credit card. I'm not ever sure how that that information was obtained, but what the person did. Let me ask you this. This is a very interesting. It was interesting to me. What they did was they made several charges um, on this credit card that, and I suspect it had been compromised somewhere in a hack somewhere. Um, it it was, uh, they started, they made charges like for pizza and this and that, and then they did some ordering online. And this was all within a short period of time. And the credit card company uh, noticed that this was a different pattern for us and they contacted us. But is that a, the typical, what happens for the beginning of a Fraud to see if this is a good credit
0: card and to see if
1: we can rip you off,
0: maybe? For transactional fraud, yes. It is normal for us to see a, a bit of testing happening before um, the big purchases start to take place. Um, although the, the fraud can happen, you know, in in any way. Um, it doesn't necessarily only happen with testing, but that is definitely a way that is common.
1: Yeah. And so I'll never know where that credit card was compromised, but certainly we know that it was. Um, And somebody, now, is it possible that they could be using randomly generated numbers on the computer and
0: making purchases as well? Yes, that is a thing. We call it a credit master attack in the industry. Um, Mm It's common in the industry. And um, oftentimes in those, scenarios the fraudster doesn't have anything more than whatever they have randomly generated Um, they know whether the the you know test worked as in they were approved or if the test didn't work and they were declined and just sort of discard and keep moving on
1: sure well it's a very interesting world that you work in clarissa is there an outrageous uh, an example that you could give us of some
0: uh, credit card fraud an outrageous example? Well, they're all
1: outrageous, aren't they? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it is. I think and maybe this is um, one thing that I would talk about is um, people who are victims of scams. There's certainly um, outrage in these examples that we um, come across. Mm-hmm. And uh, one area that I would talk about is um, when, our, when customers are, convinced to purchase gift cards, um, for, you know, whatever elaborate scheme, um, they've been convinced is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then turn around and provide that gift card number to the scammer. So very oh, well wow. situation. Yep.
1: That, and that'd be so easy to do. You can be convinced to do. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting what you do and, and, um, I applaud it because I do think that our credit card companies have, have you seen, and this is, we only have a, just a few seconds, minute, half a minute here. Have you seen that your approach that the things that you're all doing is reducing fraud?
0: Yes, absolutely. We just had our 10th generation model um, go in um, over the last year. Um, we know that we are doing a great job in having our card members backs and that we are seeing about 66% less in fraud losses compared to our competitors. So we're pretty confident in our um, ability to detect, detect fraud um, in our industry.
1: Well, I'd like to give you all a pat on the back for helping save consumers money, you're saving money for the corporation, and it just it's better for everyone to hear that there has been a re- significant reduction in fraud. We're so glad to have had you today, Clarissa, for giving us ending on a positive note. And you all have been listening to Of Consuming Interest right here on the Federal News Network. I'm Shirley Rooker, and you can reach me at Shirley at callforaction.org. That's Shirley at callforaction.org. And we thank you for joining us.
0: Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.